Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to disrupt your industry without disrupting your flow? The Levy Evening MBA program at Santa Clara University might just be the perfect fit. The Levy School of Business is where you'll reach new heights without compromising your current career. You'll meet your part-time MBA cohort two evenings per week on Levy's campus in the very heart of Silicon Valley, where innovation and creativity thrive. Join Silicon Valley's premier part-time MBA program for working professionals. Search Levy Evening MBA to discover more. One more time, Levy Evening MBA. I'm so excited to share that we're teaming up with Social Goods to launch our new She Pivots merch. You probably remember their 1973 shirts from when Amy Schumer wore it on SNL and everywhere else. This is a perfect partnership because we are so aligned. Look, I come from politics. They come from politics. And now we're both in a place that we're trying to change culture through conversation. They're doing it through their merch. I'm doing it through this podcast. Our She Works Hard for the Pivot merch is inspired by the iconic Donna Summer hit, She Works Hard for the Money. And it honors all the ways women overcome life's challenges and define their own success. For every item sold, a donation is made to Bottomless Closet, a nonprofit that helps disadvantaged New York City women enter the workforce and achieve success. Shop the collection now at social-goods.com slash she pivots.
So let's let's get really real right now. Like, I'm just happy to be where I am today. I'm just like genuinely happy. Welcome back to She Pivots, the podcast where we talk with women who have dared to pivot out of one career and into something new and explore how their personal lives impacted these decisions. I'm your host, Emily Tish Sussman. If you're an OG Real Housewives fan, you'll know exactly who today's guest is. She went down in Bravo history for her many iconic scenes on The Real Housewives of New York. Today, I'm talking with Kelly Killarn Bensimone. When I walked into the interview with Kelly, I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. With every interview, I want to be as real as possible. I mean, it saved me when I was struggling with my pivot. But I also know it's not fair to ask people to open up their stories in a way that would make them potentially feel uncomfortable. It's a tough balance at times, but with Kelly, I walked out of that interview feeling like we had a real story to tell about a real person with real experiences. I even invited her to my house for Hanukkah that weekend. So when I had the chance to interview Kelly, I saw another opportunity to lift up the curtain a bit and see more than what the TV screen showed us. What you will find is a refreshingly honest conversation about the life that happens behind the camera. She shares her candid reason why she went on The Housewives to begin with, and it might not be what you think. How her mother's passing led to her biggest and most filling pivot, and much more. My name is Kelly Kaloran Ben-Simone, and I'm a mother. I love that. Have you always defined yourself that way? Always. Did you think that you were going to be a parent? Like, was that something that was a real important priority for you? No. And this is so strange. You're asking that. I went with my best friend to Raul's and there's this fortune teller that's upstairs who like reads hands and she's like always really spirited and fun. I was like, oh, I'll read my hand while I'm waiting for the restroom. She was like, oh, yeah, you're not going to have the life that people think you're going to have. I was like, I'm young. What are you talking about? She's like, yeah, and kids. I don't know if you're going to have kids. Oh. And your life is, gonna, is very disjointed, she said. So I was 20 years old when she said that. I'll never forget that. But I mean, I love kids. You know, uninhibited and, you know, sweet and kind and interested and curious. Well, I mean, I asked if you always thought you were going to be a parent using my own lens. I really didn't know if I was going to have kids. I just really didn't think about it that much. I right. only thought about myself in terms of my professional accomplishments and what that would look like in my life. Right. It was like a real shock to the system for me yeah. when I actually had kids. But I was <laughs> reflecting to myself the other day about one of the positives that they have, that mm -hmm. they've brought that I think you just touched on is that I am kind of silly at my core. And I think that as I've gotten into adulthood, I suppressed that a little more and right. found ways, outlets like karaoke or like going out, <laughs> you know, ways that it felt acceptable. But yeah. now that I'm around my kids all the time, I can just be silly all the time. And that's actually more natural for me. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I have like a very serious side to me, but 80% of my personality is just light and like very kid friendly, I think. And, uh, you know, a lot of great things that have happened to me, like I started being very successful in philanthropy at a young age because I worked with young kids. Like mm. kids have always really helped me to do really big things and great things. 
So let's go back in time. Can you paint a picture for us about child Kelly? You have siblings. I do. I have a twin brother. I have an older sister. We are very, very close as brother and sister and as, as friends. I'm from Rockford, Illinois. I was a big swimmer to walk to swim team practice every day. So I swam, you know, two to four hours a day. Big, big swimmer. And just your typical suburban lifestyle with a lot of sports. Typically in the suburbs, you see kids like sports, 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 sports. <laughs> I was one of those kids. Many of us had our first jobs when we were in high school. Usually it was the local ice cream shop. Mine was as a camp counselor. But Kelly had a vastly different experience, starting to model as just a sophomore in high school. So I started when I was 15, and my father knew this um, amazing man that worked in Chicago who was very connected in advertising, and he said, your daughter should model. And I also put myself into the teen magazine contest. I had my twin brother take a photo of me and submitted myself into the contest. And I was runner up to Cindy Crawford and I got this big contract with elite. And at 15, I was living in New York with uh, Stephanie Seymour. It's like my first day show up tree torns, white shorts, polo, you know, polo shirt. I'm meeting Patrick Demarchier. It's like, Oh, she's American girl. And I was like, Oh my God, this may be the wrong outfit. I chose the wrong outfit, <laughs> but I wasn't thinking like in Chicago, you just wore clothes. You didn't like have to like wear an outfit and like in New York. And that's probably what I wear. Why I wear a lot of black today is you had to wear black top, black skirt and heels everywhere. Yeah. No, I mean, you're literally wearing that right now. I know. <laughs> that's it's obviously got really ingrained. Oh yeah. It's like every time I look for something, I'm like bodysuit, skirt, boom. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like moving to New York by yourself at 15? I mean, I came to New York and I worked in New York, but then I obviously was in high school. So I had to finish high school and I was swimming and obviously academics were super important to our family. And so I had to figure out how I was going to get myself into a college, all the typical things that every young adult is panicking about. I was in the same boat, except for I was modeling. So the truth of the matter is, is that I wanted to go to Harvard and I was like, God, I want to be a pediatric surgeon. I'm going to really go this route. And I'd started modeling prior to that big idea in my head. And so I'm like, I'm going to apply to Harvard and I'm just going to go for it. They were like, we'd like to, you know, defer you. And I was defer me. So instead of Harvard, she pivoted to Trinity College, where her sister went at the time. It was probably the best decision I made, because if I hadn't, if I'd taken the route to go to Harvard, like I would never be where I am today. She was still modeling at the time, trying to make both her blossoming career and the academics work at the same time. That was an anomaly. People were not going to college and modeling. Modeling was a demanding job and not one that took place at Trinity College. Like I had to like fly to Korea or like it was like something larger than life always. Kelly continued to bounce back and forth from her modeling jobs around the world and the classroom trying to make the best of both worlds. I was like this gorgeous campus, amazing academics, like the hottest guys, the fun girls, like it was so great. And then I'd be like, oh, I got to have a, go out, hop on a train at 430 in the morning to like model for the day. And then up, oh, got to hop back on that train at six o'clock at night so I can study on the train so I can get go to my class. I took all my classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays so I could model Monday, Wednesdays and Friday. So I had a really kind of stressful freshman year. So after my freshman year, my dad was just like, this is like, you're burning the candle at both ends. This is not working for you. My agent was like, I want you to come to Paris. So I went to Paris for a year. And then I was just was like, this is so great, but I've got to go. 
that was hard because I was never like immersed in something. Do you know mm. what I mean? I never felt like, okay, like I'm really hundred percent involved in modeling. I'm never really hundred yeah. percent in academics. And so I went back home to Rockford and um, I was modeling in Chicago and then an agent came and she was like, what are you doing here? I'm like, um, at home. <laughs> She's like, why? I'm like, I'm just modeling in Chicago. I wasn't even in college at the time. She was like, no, 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 you're coming to New York. And the next day I got a job for uh, American Vogue and then a big job in Germany and my life totally changed. How did you do that? I mean, you were young, but how did you power through that? Didn't. Didn't. I was exhausted all the time. People talk about issues with eating. It's just like, it can be really dark. It's a dark, dark, dark path to go down. And I had to do things that created a structure for me so that I could work. But I also needed to be thin to work. Right. And when I look back, I was like, my body was starving. And so I was like holding on to anything that it could get, whether that was like latte, milk, whatever it was. Yeah, it was the height of the supermodel. The industry lends itself to like tall, thin people. I mean, you are literally a hanger. I mean, let's, let's be totally honest about it. You have to wear the clothes. And so some people were just genetically tall and thin. I mean, I am tall and slender, but I'm not skinny. Do you think the industry's gotten better? Oh, totally. It's changed so much. I mean, I would love to be modeling right now. I'd be like, yes, I'm like, fine. I'm from like, I was like, she looks so great. She was modeling at the height of the supermodel and eventually decided to put a pause on college. So she picked up and moved to New York City. Got an apartment and was really laser focused on only modeling. And my dad was freaking out. He's like, but you have to go to college. And I was like, okay, fine. When I'm 25, I'll go back to college. And so I literally called the dean of students at Columbia University. I was like, oh, I'd like to have a conversation with you because there was no cell phones. There was no emails. So I like called him and I made an appointment and I just was like, if you give me a chance, I promise you, you will not regret it. But before she phoned up Columbia and eventually attended the school, she was at the peak of her career, jet setting around the world. And it was a different time, too. It's like when I was modeling, you know, now everyone's like, oh, Europe, you know, everything is more global. The models that worked in New York didn't work in Europe. And so for me to want to work in Europe was like a big deal. They were like, no, 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 no. But I was doing so well. And I was seeing that, like, the photographers were going back and forth. So I wanted to go back and forth with them. That's when she met her ex-husband, the famous photographer, Gilles Ben-Simon. I met him and he was like, oh, my God, like, who is this person? So we went on a trip and Veronica Webb was like, he really likes you. You should date him. And I'm like, what? And I just broke up with my boyfriend, like literally the day before. And I was like, mm, I don't know. The one thing that I just was, and it's still to this day that I just adore about him is that his incredible creative mind. I remember sitting behind him, looking over his shoulder at him drawing these circles. And I was just so enamored by the way and like the lightness of his hands, and the way he drew these circles it was beautiful. It was poetic. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I was so enamored with so many things that most people wouldn't think. So we married three years after. Were you worried about having kids in a modeling career? Was that something that was done at the time? Did you have mentors to help you through it? Once I actually met my ex-husband and my life changed, I'd met him. I was going back to college. My life was more controlled. 
So I, you know, I, I didn't know where I was headed. I had a great mentor at Columbia who I started was taking all these writing classes because I'd been writing in journals before. And the dean was like, you should really start with writing because you've been journaling like all this time. So I started with that. And I met this amazing mentor who was an incredible poet, Alan Ziegler. He really kind of pushed me because he was like, you have to make a decision. Are you going to model? Or are you going to be a student? Despite her almost decade-long career at this point, Kelly was still incredibly young. Caught between Columbia and the sparkle of the fashion industry, she found the perfect opportunity to bridge that divide, a newly created digital column for Elle magazine. Jean Godfrey June was starting a new platform called Elle.com, and she was like, I need writers. She was like, tell me your story. So I became one of the first bloggers on Elle.com. What were you writing for them? This narrative about modeling and my adventures as a model was basically like adventures with Kelly. How I was modeling, who I was modeling with, where I was modeling, which kind of like forecasted what I was doing for page six. Because that was kind of the beginning of like the behind the scenes. Right. Like, tell us the story. Right. Yeah. Because it looked so glamorous. And then it was like the behind the scenes. Right. And she would like send me everywhere where I would be like going to the spa and then they'd be taking a picture of me at the spa and I would be writing about it, which was unusual because usually it was a model, but I was like a twofer. Right. right, right. You got them all <laughs> yeah. in there. Yeah. You're like, send Kelly. <laughs> did that feel like a comfortable place to then actually begin having kids, balancing how did you figure that piece out? Um, just one day I just was pregnant. I yeah, didn't, it wasn't like I was like, oh my God, I'm going to plan for this. I just was pregnant and I panicked. I'm not going to lie. But I'm like, what am I going to do? Who am I going to be? My ex-husband, as creative, as amazing as he is, he was never there. I was by myself. Still, she forged ahead, committed to creating a strong framework for her children. I did what I always did, just put my head down and just focused on what I was doing. I always talk about focusing on the task at hand. Mm -hmm. And that's, I was just like, okay, here's my child. But actually being a mother is a totally different situation. You are nurturing and raising them and creating a framework for them. And that was what scared me because I'm just like, wait a minute, like I'm having a hard time figuring, navigating my own world, Yeah. let alone like now I have to raise two girls and I have great parents and I'm grateful for everything that they've done for me, but I'm raising my own kids now. How did you have enough confidence in yourself as I guess the question I'm trying to ask to be confident to do it differently than what other people had done? Because I was by myself. No one of my friends were having children. I didn't know anyone that had a child. I just was doing my things on my own way. Yeah. And I would listen to what they were doing. They had like amazing nannies. And I was always like listening to what they were doing. But at the end of the day, I was just always just doing things my way. Like so many women I know, Kelly did what she needed to do. She took her daughter everywhere so she could continue to work. Brought my daughter with me, my oldest daughter with me, absolutely everywhere. She traveled. She went to Hawaii. She went everywhere. <laughs> Paris. She went all the place. I brought her literally everywhere. Yeah, that was, I mean, amazing, but also really stressful. I didn't sleep for the first, like, you know, seven years of kids. But yeah, I mean, just did it. I didn't think twice. This was like the beginning of when women were really, really traveling and working and raising kids. So the marriage dissolved. Right. But you ended up living next door mm -hmm. to your ex-husband. Mm-hmm. That is unusual. Yes, highly. Yeah. How did that come about? Well, just because, you know, he's older, you know, did he do right by me in a lot of ways? Not necessarily. But at the end of the day, he's the father of my children. And so I do have a lot of respect for who he is and the role that he plays for my girls. 
And I, and I tell them all the time, I'm like, you have to remember every single thing that you say and do, my girls are going to look for men like you. That's such a poignant way to think about it. I think it really puts the responsibility back on the men, not just to say like, they're watching, they're watching you, but like to really make it so concrete. No, they're watching you. They're watching and they're internalizing. Mm -hmm. The way you speak to them, you know, what you do, how you do things. With the new Real Housewives of New York legacy and the new new cast of Real Housewives of New York happening, how one gets cast is always a swirl of gossip and some mystery. So what made Kelly the right candidate and fit for a show like Real Housewives of New York? She had an ever-changing path from Trinity College to modeling to Columbia to writing to marriage and, of course, motherhood. So let's let's get really real right now. Like 2008 was a very, very big year, not just for me, but for a lot of people. Lehman Brothers is going bankrupt and financial markets from Asia to Europe are doing their utmost to prevent Monday from turning from dark to black. I think this is the most significant financial crisis in the post-war period. There are fears the sell-off will continue on Wall Street. Soaring gas prices, falling home prices, and rising unemployment. Procter and Gamble. Procter's trading at 60. What the heck is going on down here? I had just gotten divorced, left all accessories, was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. I wasn't modeling at the time. And 2008 came and I lost absolutely everything. So we're 2008. I have no money. I have two kids trying to figure out how I'm going to provide for them and give them the education and the framework that they deserve. Every child deserves that. And I just wanted to make sure that my girls had absolutely everything, not product bags, not bullshit, but like absolutely every single tool in their tool belt so that they could be successful. Because that's, that's what our job as parents. Our job is to create a framework so that our children are going to be successful and better than us because they are our legacy. So that was very, very, very stressful. So, you know, here I am 36 years old. Like, what am I going to do with my life? What's happening with me? And I decided to go on Housewives, not because I thought it would be a good idea. I decided to go on Housewives because I was like, I need something new. I can't live in this micro bubble of New York, of L and my ex-husband. And I became the provider and the nurturer, like literally overnight. And, you know, the people that I've known for a long time, some of them really weren't there for me. My best friend like moved to Sweden. <laughs> like, oh. I was like, wait a minute. Like, you know, I need your help. 
And so it's really, really difficult to be trying to control. I wasn't doing anything that was like larger than life that could really like pivot me into something else. Mm. So that's why I went on to Housewives. And it was the best thing. I mean, it was the best thing that I had ever done, but it was so stressful. Living the American dream, one mistake at a time. Crazy, great life, and I love living it. The most interesting people make the best headlines. What was your mindset going in? I was supposed to be on another show with Tim Gunn. Before there was Project Runway, Tim used to have all these um, different editors and designers come into Parsons and judge all the students. So I met so many great designers from that. And then he'd created Project Runway. And so they wanted me to do something with him. And then they chose Veronica Webb instead. Love her. Then the executive producer sat sat down with me and he was like, you were just so spirited and and you have such a good personality and you've done a lot of things in your life. We would love to have you on the show. So Kelly joined the show among now household names like Bethany Frankel and Ramona Singer. She joined the cast when reality TV was a new frontier and no one knew how a producer edit could change the script. While Kelly's time on Real Housewives of New York was pretty short, she made the most of it. Reality TV is amazing now. Reality TV is over the top, just like modeling. So when you went on the show, where was the point you actually kept pretty serious boundaries yeah. around privacy, considering that you were on a show that was about opening up your personal life. Right. How did you manage that? They didn't really want to film my personal life, actually. Do you want to come to this part? No. Do you want to come to that? No. Do you want to do this? No. They didn't want to do it. They just wanted to see me interact. So it was just like every single time I walked, I opened the door. It was like an opportunity for them to go wild. Mm. And that was great. It was great. Was it great? I mean, did it for me? Yeah, I mean, I know you said you felt like you were you were filling a role for them. At what point did you feel like you were or were not in control of your storyline? I wasn't in control of my storyline. I would just come in and just see what was going to happen. And I remember them asking me questions about the other women. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I have no yeah. idea who these people are. I didn't. I had no idea who they were. Yeah. So he was like, what are, what are your thoughts about so-and-so? I'm like, um, I really don't have thoughts about her because I met her for 20 seconds. Like, <laughs> but sometimes you just don't know people. And then there's an organic connection. Sometimes there's just not. Yeah. And that's not good or bad. It's just real. Why did you decide to keep doing it? You know, it was really good for my business. And I was asked to be on the cover of Playboy. And that's really why I continued my second season. David Pecker, who was my boss at Elle, bought uh, American Media and he bought Playboy and put me on the cover, which was a total anomaly. I was turning 40. She did the cover in an effort to reclaim her storyline. She went back for her second season and could never quite shake reality TV. She left the Real Housewives franchise in 2011 and later joined Million Dollar Listing after getting her real estate license and joining the renowned Douglas Elliman firm in 2019. Well, especially a Million Dollar Listing, filming with Frederick and just having him just give me that massive stamp of approval and just saying, like, you guys don't know who she is. She's a major broker in New York and has this huge team and is going to kill it. Just literally just set the stage for my actual with my career today literally three reasons that you should use me as a real estate broker one i maximize your value two i maximize exposure and three i maximize transparency which means i tell you everything about your deal and i bring you the best of the best to make your deal actually happen and her successful shift into real estate earned her the number one deal during covid for 42 million dollars but despite her new success 
real estate was never the plan. It took the passing of her mother to push her into it. So my mother asked me to sell my family home, and I basically didn't want anyone to know what I was doing. And so I drove to Wait, Brooklyn. Why didn't you want anyone to know what you were doing? Because I don't. I'm in this business. In reality, people are like, "Oh my God, I saw her on the street. What's she doing?" I didn't want to like toot my own horn. I was doing something for the right reasons, and I didn't want to promote it. Mm. In reality, everyone always wants to promote stuff, which is great for them. But this was my real reality, and I needed to make sure that I was getting my license and I was taking care of business. And so I drove to Brooklyn every single day and I you know, took the test and then I organized it. So it was like the two weeks I took the test and then on the Monday I took the state test. And so there was no room for error because I had to start getting things going. But she is the reason that I'm in real estate. I mean, her passing and her actively forcing me to sell my family's portfolio is the reason that I'm licensed in New York, that I'm licensed in Florida, that I'm licensed in the Hamptons. I'm going to be licensed in Aspen. I mean, she held my hand so hard. I thought she was going to break my hand off. She was like, you need to help your father sell this, sell these properties. Were you able to get your license and take care of it before she passed? Yes. So she No, 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 no. She passed before. She passed before. She passed really quickly. My mother had um, pancreatic cancer um, and we found out in um, March and she passed by August. So it's that's a really quick one. Mm-hmm. It's just it's hard. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry about that. It was yeah. very tough, especially the relationship that we had. It's really tough. Where do you think you're going next? I'm just so excited about what my girls are doing. You know, it's like, I love my team. I love Douglas Salomon. I, you know, I love real estate, but, um, God, I'm just like happy, you know, like for the first time in my life. So, so I don't feel the same stress. And it's like, I know that this will resonate with a lot of women because whether you're 16 and have a child or you're 40 or have a child, it's like, you know, bringing children into this world, it's a huge responsibility. And I take it really seriously. And I know a lot of women do too. You know, my parents gave up a lot for me. I've given up a lot for my kids. And I'm just happy to be where I am today. I'm just like genuinely happy. And um, I'm just excited to see what's going to happen and like how my life is going to open up and just being able to like Douglas Elm has just been incredible. They just like see who I am and they're like, we love who you are. You're a supermodel. You're a superstar. We just love it. And it's just like, I just feel like I'm in a position right now where I'm really shining and all the things that I've done throughout my life, like I'm putting into my career and it's working and it's just great. And I have a great team. My kids are healthy and my ex-husband is healthy and I have a great boyfriend and I just feel very, very lucky to be where I am today. And like people, you know, they see you on TV and they're like, you know, honestly, like TV's changed. And when I was on television, like I didn't want to talk about what was going on with me because the noise was so loud. No one could hear my voice. Mm. And maybe at that time that my story wasn't, interesting enough. It was a different time. Mm. People weren't really concerned about what was happening, you know, with people with like not having money, all those big, big, big concerns. People weren't, didn't want to hear about it because they were dealing with it every single day. Right. So they're what, they're going to see some tall brunette, now blonde. 
um, standing there just being like, oh, my God, poor me. It's like the cheerleader. It's like, oh, my God, I'm so sad. But I wasn't so sad. I was really scared. Well, I ask this question of all of my guests. Is there something in your life that you felt like at the time felt really negative and now in retrospect was a big positive? Yeah, 2008. Just negative for everybody. It was a shitty time. The market collapsed. So did lives. But it's not like what happens to you. And that's what all my mentors say. They're like, it doesn't matter what's happening to you. It's how you overcome it. It's like how you take that next step. And I mean, every single human is going to have adversity in their life. And it's just really what you do and how you, what next step you take. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank I you really so much for joining us. I appreciate you so much. It was so you. great to have Thank you on. Thank you. Kelly still lives in New York City with her two daughters. You might see her in the Douglas Elliman Real Estate magazines or running through the streets of the city. Kelly continues to write and connect with her fans through TikTok and more. You can find her seven books wherever you get your books and follow her online at Kelly Bensimone. Pivots is an amazing community of women who understand that personal is the professional. Join the community on Instagram at She Pivots the Podcast. A special thank you to our partner, Marie Claire, and the team that made this episode possible. Talk to you next week. She Pivots is hosted by me, Emily Tish Sussman. Produced by Emily Edda Voloshik with sound editing and mixing from Nina Pollock and research and planning from Christine Dickison and Hannah Cousins. I endorse tea pivots. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Just head to Amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. Ready to disrupt your industry without disrupting your flow? The Levy Evening MBA program at Santa Clara University could be the perfect fit. The Levy School of Business is where you'll reach new heights without compromising your current career. You'll meet your part-time MBA cohort two evenings per week on Levy's campus in the very heart of Silicon Valley, where innovation and creativity thrive. Join Silicon Valley's premier part-time MBA program for working professionals. Search Levy Evening MBA to discover more. If you're a Shark Tank fan or business junkie, check out the podcast, Another Bite. Each week, Another Bite breaks down the biggest success stories and most disastrous failures to come out of Shark Tank. The hosts break down each company's pitch, analyze the deals that were or weren't made, and answer the million-dollar question, are they still a company? Whether you're an entrepreneur looking for tips or a Shark Tank fan that just wants to relive the drama, Another Bite's your deep dive into the world of Shark Tank. Just search for Another Bite in your favorite podcast app, like the one you're listening to right now. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz, 
this time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net.